Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. I feel like that means there's a limited amount of uh, candidates for this job of outside the building. Well, well I, I think there, no, I don't know about that. I think there's probably more, but I think there's, I think it's going to have to be somebody that he feels can call plays and has called plays in a game and can adjust a game plan during the game. I don't think Bills is worried about what plays are we going to run as he's worried about, how the game is called, how the structure of the game plan is put together, and how we adjust the game plan. All right, that is Mike Lombardi on earlier today with the guys on Merloni and Fourier. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So you heard that comment there, which is kind of alarming to me, where Mike Lombardi essentially basically is just indicating that it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator for the Patriots is going to be because whoever is the offensive coordinator, they're just going to be running the Patriots offense. And that to me is not progressive. That is not changing to what's going on in the NFL right now. And just to put this into context, you look across the league right now and Sean McVay has a legitimate coaching tree. I tweeted this out the other day that since 2017, Sean McVay has been the head coach of the Rams. So he's in his fifth year and he's got an opportunity to get to another Super Bowl and win it. He's been to now two Super Bowls in his first five years as the head coach of the Rams. So naturally what has happened over the past few years, teams are picking off his assistants left and right. Now, Matt LaFleur went to Tennessee for a year, and then he got a gig with the Packers. He did not get the gig with the Packers, the head coaching job there, because of the fact that he was so great in Tennessee. That's not the case whatsoever. In fact, that Tennessee offense was bad, and people were questioning, oh, why is Matt LaFleur getting this job? Well, it's because he's connected to Sean McVay, and as we saw once he got to Green Bay, that offense sort of took off with him and Aaron Rodgers, and it's been a much better team since they hired Sean McVay. They made it to the conference championship game two years in a row. They choked this year, but the offense has been better. He enhanced Aaron Rodgers as a player, right? You think about Zach Taylor. Now, I don't like that Zach Taylor likes to run the ball, it feels like, on every first down. But the reason Zach Taylor gets his gig is because why? Oh, yeah, because he's coaching for Sean McVay. And then you look at, for example, Brandon Staley. Sean McVay's goal was, I got to find the me version on defense. And they go and they get Brandon Staley. He becomes the defensive coordinator there. A year later, he's the head coach of the Chargers. And then you look at a guy, of course, that just got hired in Kevin O'Connell, of course, who played for the Patriots. He just got the gig with the Minnesota Vikings. 
So my point being is clearly these teams across the league are seeing that the Sean McVay offensive system works. So what they're doing is they're bringing in guys, even guys that just bring in coordinators, right? Like I give you the example of LaFleur going to Tennessee. They just wanted to get the Sean McVay offense into their building, so to speak. And that's why when I look at this idea that the Patriots, or I should say this project the Patriots are about to start, which is finding who's going to be the next coordinator of this team, it feels like that's an archaic way of hiring your next offensive coordinator if you're just saying, hey, we're bringing somebody in that's going to run our offense. I can't stand that whatsoever because I would argue, and I know you can give me the points per game this season, the Patriots' offense was not as effective as it could have been, whether that's Bill, whether that's Josh McDaniels, whatever it is, whatever the case may be in terms of why it wasn't as effective, and especially later on in the season, and why they weren't digging into some stuff that they could have dug into, there's a problem there. They need to implement more things into the offense. So when you think about the two candidates we're hearing about now, as Mike Giardi reported that one of the names that keeps coming up is Adam Gase, the other one, of course, Bill O'Brien. If you bring in Bill O'Brien, and this isn't any big take or hot take or anything along those lines. Obviously, O'Brien is a much better candidate than Adam Gase. But I feel like if you brought Bill O'Brien back here as the offensive coordinator, of course, he had this position before, it would just be completely misguided from a Patriots perspective if they didn't look at some of the stuff that Bill O'Brien did at Alabama, look at some of the stuff that Bill O'Brien did with the Houston Texans, look at some of the stuff maybe that he even did with Penn State, and bring some of that to the Patriots, right? I don't want somebody to just come in here and just run whatever Bill wants him to run. I want Bill to have a conversation with Bill O'Brien if he is hired, and we'll see how that goes, because Ann Rappaport did say on Gresham Keefe, what, two days ago now, that there's mutual interest on both sides, that O'Brien wants to get back into the NFL. And, of course, Belichick would like the familiarity, of course, with Bill O'Brien. But Bill O'Brien has also run many different offenses since he left the New England Patriots. And quite frankly, when he was here, you could argue the Patriots had the best offense they've ever had. I know you can give me 2007 and that was like a video game. But really, if you think about what Bill O'Brien did as the offensive coordinator here with the Patriots, he kind of revamped things around the tight ends. Remember, if you look at that 2011 third of the NFL, 32.1 yards or 32.1 points per game. Brady that season had his most yards per game. 327. Now, he had more total yards this year because he played an extra game, but that was his other season with 5,000 passing yards because that's when he really dug into the two tight ends. And I know you can give Bill Belichick credit for the drafting of Hernandez and Gronk, but when you look at it, Bill O'Brien found the best way to use both those guys. Remember, he's handing the ball off to Hernandez. There's all different types of formations. Bill O'Brien got all the meat off the bone in terms of what you could do with those two tight ends. And remember, Bill O'Brien, like, We all get caught up in what happened with him as a general manager. I would blame a lot of that on Jack Easterby. I'll get to that in greater detail. But he won his division four to seven years. Despite the fact that he did have issues there in Houston, he's been a pretty good play caller wherever he's been. Now, if you look at it, it too, the thing I say about bringing new elements to this offense, when you look at what Bill O'Brien was running at Alabama, he was running essentially the offense that Mac Jones was running when he was a candidate for the Heisman Trophy. He was a finalist. Now, his teammate, Devontae Smith, would, of course, win the award. But the point being, they had the best offense at the collegiate level last year with Steve Sarkeesian. Bill O'Brien comes in, and Mac Jones is teaching him that offense. So it feels like if you were going to transition Bill O'Brien into this role or placing Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator, 
both Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien know the Alabama offense. They know it's effective from the Alabama offense. I know you say, well, you can't just translate it to the NFL. Well, we've seen a lot of these NFL offenses look more like college offenses than they ever have before. And that's where I think Bill O'Brien, if you're if you're Bill Belichick, you give him the rope like you gave Josh McDaniels the rope, right? So if the case is, like Mike Lombardi says, it doesn't matter who comes in here. Whoever it is, they're going to be running the Bill Belichick offense. They're going to be running the Patriots offense, so to speak. Well, if the one guy that could come in here and Bill would actually have the trust and the faith in that guy to basically reinstall or install his own offense, or it's not even reinstalling the offense. It's taking the Patriots offense and tweaking it a bit, right? If one guy could do that, it feels like the only guy, based on what Mike Lombardi is saying there, that Bill Belichick would trust to make tweaks to this offense is Bill O'Brien. That's why it feels like now we're at a point where it has to be Bill O'Brien. You look at it, too. The one thing about O'Brien where and where he differs from Josh McDaniels is he will incorporate RPOs, which Mac was great at the collegiate level. He will incorporate play action. And if you look at it, too, so... If you look at basically the last season that Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson had together a full season, because, of course, last year doesn't count because he got fired relatively early in that season. So if you look at where he was at in 2019, Deshaun Watson was completing 73.9% of his passes out of RPO, 65 attempts, 104.5 passer rating. And another thing about Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson came out of offense at the collegiate level in Clemson that basically they are permanently in the shotgun. They're in the shotgun basically the the entirety of the game. So what did he do in 2019 with Deshaun Watson? 432 of it is 495 attempts out of the gun. So the math on that, 87.2% of his snaps came out of the shotgun. Why did Bill O'Brien do that? He was taking advantage of the strength of Deshaun Watson. And by the way, out of the gun, completed 68.3% of his passes. Pretty damn good. Now, another thing about this is if you look at it, if you take his play-action pass attempts to Sean Watson and you group that with his RPOs, which in 2019, Deshaun Watson was fourth in the NFL in passing attempts out of RPOs. That's the easy stuff in the NFL, right? So if you combine the play-action passing attempts, which are at 94, 65 is the RPOs, that means that 32.1% of his passing attempts in 19, Deshaun Watson, when he was one of the best players in the NFL, came out of play-action or RPOs, that combination, if you will. And if you look at the Patriots last year with Mac Jones, when Mac was so good at the collegiate level in both RPOs and play action, it was just 26.1% a season ago for the Patriots with Josh McDaniels. So I cannot imagine that Bill O'Brien wouldn't come in here knowing what he knows about his time at Alabama, knowing how he called offense with Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans, having all that information, having all those different experiences that he wouldn't come in here and say, yeah, we got to use more play action. Yeah, we got to use more RPOs. And the biggest thing, too, with the play action, it should work better for the Patriots than most other teams in the NFL, right? I mean, you start to look at it across the league. All these teams that use play action, they don't have great running games. And it has been studied that you don't even really need to run the ball well to have an effective play action passing game. But the Patriots, it behooves them to use more play action because they were eighth in rushing yards last year. Yet Mac Jones was just 17th in passing attempts out of play action. So I just feel like this fit of Bill O'Brien makes a whole lot of sense. My concern would be, though, is Bill Belichick going to hover over whoever is the offensive coordinator and make sure they're doing it 
in terms of the Patriot offense. And I feel like Bill O'Brien is that one guy because if it's an internal candidate, Bill's obviously going to have a whole lot to do with the offense coming up next season, right? Because of the fact that whoever it is will have never called plays before. If it's Adam Gase, I feel like Adam Gase won't have the power and the strength, so to speak, to go to Bill and say, we got to put these things in. Because essentially Bill is would be throwing a life jacket to Adam Gase, essentially trying to save the guy's career because he has been absolutely atrocious since he left Denver. Denver. Now, he was okay in Chicago. They were 17th in points per game. But once he went to Miami and once he went to the Jets, his offense has sucked. So essentially, Bill is giving him an opportunity to get back in the league. And that's where I feel like he won't have the lower intestinal fortitude. He won't have the balls to say, Bill, we need to put this new stuff into the offense. That's what I love about Bill O'Brien. That's why I feel like he's the perfect fit because Bill O'Brien's an alpha. Bill O'Brien goes after Tom Brady. Okay, Bill O'Brien's not afraid to call out Tom Brady, and Brady respected him for that. Brady put him in his documentary. They talked about it. They called him the teapot because the guy would go so insane on the sidelines and in the film room and all that. And I feel like with Mac, who now maybe internally with the organization in terms of in the locker room and stuff, he's more outgoing, but he's more laid back. And Bill O'Brien getting after Mac Jones and getting after the offense, I feel like that's the perfect fit for this team. And he has the balls to tell Bill, we need to put this stuff into the offense. And I do feel like Bill would trust him. So that's why I feel like at this particular point in time, based on everything we've heard over the past couple of weeks, it has got to be Bill O'Brien. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into if you want to weigh in on the Celtics, who have now won four in a row. It's their longest winning streak of the season. The C's are turning it around. You certainly can. But is it Bill O'Brien or bust as the Patriots' next offensive coordinator? Plus, I do have one concern about Bill O'Brien and another reason not to go after Adam Gase. We'll get into all that in just a little bit here on WEI. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. So, is it Josh McDaniels, or should I say Josh McDaniels? Is it Bill O'Brien or Bust? Based on what we know about this position, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, it takes Bill Belichick a while to trust these guys. Does it have to be Bill O'Brien? 617-779-7937 is the number. So, another thing I would mention real quickly, too, as it pertains to the Patriots trying to get more play action into the passing game which I believe should be an emphasis with this team coming into 2022. So if you look at the teams across the NFL that utilize play action the most, the Cowboys were number one, the Bills were number three, Kansas City was fourth, the Chargers were fifth, and the Rams were sixth. So if you look at the top eight offenses in EPA per dropback, meaning expected points added, so basically positive plays, so to speak, is where we're looking at here. So the Chiefs, who were, as we mentioned, they were fourth in play-action pass attempts. They were second in EPA per dropback. So basically, when the Chiefs were using play-action, they were absolutely devastating. Now, they were good at a lot of other things as well. The Chargers, they were fifth this year in play-action pass attempts. And if you look at where they ranked in terms of the EPA, they were seventh in the NFL. And by the way, Herbert himself was second in play-action passing attempts. You look at, for example, the Rams. They were fourth in the NFL in EPA per dropbacks. So their passing game, very successful. Well, Matthew Stafford was eighth in the NFL as it pertains to play action. You look at the 49ers, okay? You don't think of them as a great passing offense, right, with Jimmy Garoppolo. But they were fifth in the NFL in EPA per dropback. So they were a very efficient offense throwing the football despite all the issues that Jimmy Garoppolo had this season in terms of his accuracy, in terms of his turnovers, right? But if you look at this, 120 passing attempts out of play action for Jimmy. And if you add that with Trey Lance, they would have been top 10 combined. So a team like the 49ers utilized that often, the play action, because it made things easier for a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that, quite frankly, isn't that great right now. You look at a team like, for example, the Bills. The Bills were, surprisingly to me, only eighth in the NFL and EPA per dropbacks. But where were they number one in play action? So if you just look across the sport right now, by the way, the Patriots were 11th at EPA per dropback. If you look at the sport right now and you look across the league, you look at some of the most successful offenses, Kansas City and the Rams and the Bills, these teams are utilizing the Chiefs. These teams are utilizing play action. And for whatever reason, the Patriots are not implementing that into their offense. And you would hope that whoever takes over for Josh McDaniels would put more of that into the offense. And it is going to be interesting because we can kind of measure this, whether it was Bill or Josh that didn't want to use a lot of play action, so to speak. We can kind of measure this on what Josh McDaniel's offense looks like with the Las Vegas Raiders next year. It's going to be interesting to me. Is it going to be that same Patriot system that he's been running for all these years? Or will McDaniels make tweaks on that? Will he actually incorporate more RPOs? And 
excuse me, more play action with Derek Carr, or will it be a very similar offense to what he was running with the Patriots for all those years? That's going to be a fascinating question because then we will have the answer. If McDaniels does incorporate a lot of this into the offense next season with the Las Vegas Raiders, then we are going to be looking at it and say, oh, well, yeah, actually, you know what happened here? Well, it was actually Bill Belichick that was telling Josh not to utilize that stuff in the offense. But nonetheless, it's just something that the Patriots, for whatever reason, didn't take advantage of last season, and they're going to need to going forward. But the other thing, just as it pertains to the situation with Adam Gase, I'm just not overly enthusiastic about bringing in a guy that basically he has no track record of success. Like, you can sell me on a guy that's had issues in the past. Like, for example, Bill O'Brien's had issues in the past. And I know a lot of them personnel-related, but he had issues in Houston, right? It did not end well for him in Houston. So you can sell me on bringing back a guy that has had issues. Look, they brought Josh McDaniels back all those years ago after he was fired from Denver. And then he goes to St. Louis, and they had an offense that ranked 32nd in the NFL. And if you're doing the math, that's last in points per game is one year in St. Louis, and they brought Josh McDaniels back. You could convince me that was going to work because he had familiarity here and because he was part of the 07 and 08 Patriots teams and the year that they had with Castle, it was actually relatively impressive considering the injury to Brady and all that. But nonetheless, you could convince me, oh, yeah, yeah, bring him back. He, he can work things out. They can figure it out. But the thing about Adam Gase is this. not It's not just that he doesn't have familiarity with the Patriots. It's just that he doesn't have a proven track record whatsoever. You look at his years in Denver. Yeah, okay, when he was the offensive coordinator there, they were first in scoring and they were second in scoring. But why was that the case? It's because they had Peyton Manning. They had a guy that had already won four MVPs, and essentially what they were doing is they ran the Peyton Manning offense. Like, his first couple of weeks, they tried to run a different offense, and then Peyton's like, okay, let's just do things my way. They run it Peyton Manning's way. After Mike McCoy leaves for his head coaching job at the Chargers at the time, Adam Gase takes over as the offensive coordinator. Gase wasn't doing anything. Now, he goes to Chicago for a year after he was, like, up for jobs across the league, and he actually leaves the year that Denver wins the Super Bowl. But that was on the defense. That isn't about Gase. But nonetheless, he goes to Chicago. All right, he starts to pick up some steam with Jay Cutler. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, this guy's a genius because they were 23rd in the NFL in points per game. I, I don't know why that makes you a genius, but nonetheless, they decide, okay, Adam Gase deserves a head coaching opportunity because of that. He goes to Miami. 17th, 28th, and 26th in offense in terms of points per game. He gets fired from there. Somehow, miraculously, he gets a head coaching gig with the New York Jets. 31st in the NFL in points per game and 32nd in the NFL in points per game. So here's the thing that I have about Adam Gase. It feels like this is a guy that has gotten his opportunities. He got an opportunity in Denver, okay, to basically, he didn't even have to do anything. He just watched Peyton Manning call an offense. He got an opportunity in Chicago. Okay, you want to argue he did a decent job there? Whatever, fine. But, I mean, the numbers tell you it wasn't that great. And then he gets another opportunity in Miami to be a head coach. And he's the play caller there as well. Doesn't work out. He gets another opportunity with the Jets. And at one point, he turned the play calling over. Then he took the play calling back. It didn't work out with the Jets either. So I just need some sort of evidence that tells me that this guy has been successful or there's potential for him to be successful. Like, for example, one of the guys that I mentioned at the beginning of this whole search, or the two guys I mentioned, unfortunately, they're both already getting new gigs. One of the guys I thought, okay, Kevin O'Connell makes a lot of sense here, right? Because he has the familiarity with the Patriots and the fact that, okay, he brings that Sean McVay offense, that Sean McVay scheme. And now I know they blocked him from going to the Chargers last year as an offensive coordinator, but 
in the past, LaFleur has let guys go to get play calling gigs like he did for Matt LaFleur back in 2018. So if you look at it in that context, Kevin O'Connell, young guy in his 30s, comes from that Sean McVay coaching tree where we're seeing success all over the league. It made a lot of sense to me because you can bring some of the elements of the Shanahan slash McVay offense, put it into the Patriots system. And there's also, and things have changed obviously a little bit, but Kevin O'Connell was here. He was a member of the New England Patriots, so there would have been that familiarity. But unfortunately, Kevin O'Connell, he gets the gig with the Minnesota Vikings as the head coach, right? So what you were betting on with Kevin O'Connell, he's never been a play caller. You were betting on the potential there. And if you look at a guy, for example, like Joe Brady, Mutt was big on Joe Brady. I was big on Joe Brady as well. Now, he ends up being the quarterback's coach of the Buffalo Bills, right? That's where he was at because of what happened in Carolina. Now, I would argue that it was not his fault. I mean, Matt Rule wanted to have a run-heavy scheme, and they had him with bad quarterbacks. I mean, think about who he was working with over the past few years. Teddy Bridgewater is like the definition of an average quarterback, right? If you're below Teddy Bridgewater, you suck. If you're above Teddy Bridgewater, you're probably pr pretty good. He's kind of like that mark in between where it's like, yeah, he's okay. He's a game manager, all that different type of stuff. He's probably not going to lose you the game, but you damn well know he's not going to win you a game either, right? And so when you look at that, it's like, all right, he had a mediocre quarterback his first year there, Joe Brady did, and then they go to a downgrade. They gave away a second-round draft pick for Sam Darnold. A guy that was a proven bust with the New York Jets. Joe Brady gets him. Can't do much there. And then they have P.J. Walker. And then they go out and they get Cam Newton. We knew that Cam Newton was done the last year. So the two quarterbacks he had this year for the majority of the season, because Walker just filled in for a game or so, the two quarterbacks that Joe Brady was asked to win with at the NFL level were was a guy that can't throw anymore in Cam Newton, a guy that's not good anymore in Cam Newton, a guy that's career should be over in Cam Newton, and a guy in Sam Darnold that is a draft bust. That's what you're asking Joe Brady to work with in Carolina. But for whatever reason, and I guess that would be the reason that the numbers were not great in Carolina, there wasn't a lot of intrigue with Joe Brady. But when I look at Joe Brady, I see a guy that was the offensive coordinator at LSU for a year. And what did he do with that offense at LSU? He took it to the complete next level. Because remember, and here's the thing where I think that Joe Brady would have been a good fit with Bill Belichick, and obviously Bill wasn't interested because he could have given him a much better job than the Bills did. He's just the quarterback's coach there. And Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator, now the play caller for the Bills. He's getting his first opportunity to call plays. But here's where I think there was a lot of connections with Bill and would have been with Brady. Joe Brady learned offense from Sean Payton. Belichick likes Sean Payton. They come from the same coaching tree. Sean Payton was an offensive coordinator for Bill Parcells. So when you look at it in that context, I just don't understand why there wasn't more interest in Joe Brady than there was from the Patriots. And now he's going to be a quarterback's coach in your division. So they have a former offensive coordinator there that's now the quarterback's coach and a guy in Ken Dorsey calling the place. The Bills obviously think there's a lot to gain from bringing in a guy like Joe Brady, and it feels like it's a missed opportunity for the Patriots. Now, they can't do anything about the Kevin O'Connell thing, which I would have loved because Kevin O'Connell is getting a head coaching opportunity. Good for him. Great for him. And if you look at it now, I mean, all these guys that are across the league that have Patriots connections, it really is fascinating to see all these guys getting head coaching jobs. Now, of course, McDaniels gets the job with... The Raiders, but think about it just in terms of former Patriots players. Now you have Kevin O'Connell is a head coach of the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings. You of course have Mike Vrabel now who has been the head coach for a couple of years there 
in Tennessee. So these guys are not just the former Bill Belichick assistant coaches now. Now you're seeing guys that used to be players for Bill Belichick getting these opportunities to be head coaches across the league, which is pretty cool to see. Maybe the Bill Belichick player tree will be better than the Bill Belichick coaching tree. 617-779-7937 is a number. Let's get to Pauly. I don't know if he's in the truck still. Pauly, what's up, man? Oh, okay. All right, I guess the phones aren't working. All right, you can grab Pauly's line if you'd like. It's 617-779-7937. Let's see if we can get the phones up and running here in a little bit. All right, anyway, getting back to the... Oh, just the buzz around the uh, just the buzz around the Patriots as it pertains to the offensive coordinator situation. It just it feels like now if they don't get an opportunity to go after and land Bill O'Brien, it feels like it's just going to be one of these situations where well, they're if they go in house, you're looking at you don't really have the candidates there, you don't really have the experience there, and I understand that. Other guys have had success before without actually being play callers. Like, for example, LaFleur goes to Tennessee, has success or mild success, but then gets the head coaching job at the Packers. His second year as a play caller is his first year as a head coach, and he ends up succeeding there. Doug Peterson, for example, it wasn't like he was calling plays a whole lot when he was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs because, or excuse me, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs because, of course, you had Andy Reid. So we've seen it happen before. I just feel like with this type of team where there needs to be a lot of help from Belichick himself on the offensive side of the football as well. Like they have got to find a way to have at least a situation offensively where you feel really good about things. Because right now with the defense, you still haven't named a defensive coordinator, right? You're still working with both Josh McDaniel or excuse me, both Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. You have got to figure out a way for that to be a more consistent thing or a more cohesive thing on that side of the ball. And since those guys both not a lot of experience there, you would like to have a similar thing to what you had this year offensively with Josh McDaniels, where even if you want to criticize Josh, and I have on multiple occasions, but even if you want to criticize Josh McDaniels for his play calling, et cetera, at least you knew that Josh McDaniels was going to take care of the offense. All right, let's see. Let's try to get to uh, Paulie. He is, I don't know if he's in the truck or a coach again. Paulie, what's up, man? Hey, there you are, Brian. Hey, sorry I didn't about hear that. The bell. I didn't hear the bell last time, old boy. <laughs> and anyway, this, a lot of this depends on the, the players that you have, the system that you have, the ownership, the, the, the G, a GM, say, um, the quarterback that you have. You know, you can't – it's hard to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken poop, you know, as they say. Um, you know, if, if Josh McDaniels had a great situation here, and he, everybody thinks he's an all-world offensive coordinator, and he is a hell of an offensive coordinator. But why don't you take a look at his numbers in Denver, his offensive numbers in Denver, for the two years he was there. I'm sure they fall off the table compared to the way they they were here in Foxborough for the reasons that I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, Adam Gase has a lot of a lot of experience. He knows the system well. He's he's a coach under Saban. Um, if you're a friend of Belichick's, they all they're familiar with him. He's a real pro. He's been around a long time. He's learned uh, from let's say from his mistakes. Um, he's played, there's a lot of good things that he knows. Um, it's got, it's, this pickings are slim. We all want Bill O'Brien, but you know, if if we have to settle for Adam Gase, I'm confident that working with coach Belichick in this system, that he'll, he'll do a decent job. Um, it's, 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 well, what do you, what do you think, Brian? Do I, what, what do you think? Like I, it, my whole thing about 
bringing in a new offensive coordinator, Paulie, is I feel like you need somebody that can make some tweaks to this offense, right? Because I don't believe they were digging into some of the low-hanging fruit in the NFL. There's no reason that Mac Jones was 17th in play-action pass attempts. you got to make it easier for a rookie quarterback. Same thing with digging well, into – What's that? Coach has an open mind. He's, he's, you know, he's raised by a well, teacher. And, and teachers my, well, Paulie, and he is a teacher. But, Paulie, that's my point. If you look at Bill O'Brien, right, this is why it feels like it's the perfect fit. So, first of all, he'll he has have, to – Hold on. He'll he, bring in his wrinkles. He'll yes. allow him to bring in his wrinkles that's as long as they point. make sense. That's my point. Bill and Bill O'Brien. O'Brien also is an alpha, right? He is an alpha. He is not a beta. And the difference between Gase right. and O'Brien is O'Brien right, is That going, is true. O'Brien's going to have more opportunities, right? Like, next year, a team may call him to be the offensive coordinator. Heck, he just got an interview for head coaching job this year. It didn't go well. So if Bill O'Brien doesn't get the Patriots' offensive coordinator job, it's going to be his choice. If he doesn't want it, not that big of a deal for him. With Adam Gase, Bill would basically be throwing him a life jacket and essentially trying to save his career because nobody wants Adam Gase right now, right? Nobody's talking about Adam Gase for any other job across the league. Bill O'Brien is still respected as an offensive mind. So because of that and because... There's familiarity with Bill actually working with O'Brien in the past. I believe that Belichick, Bill O'Brien would be the only candidate where he could say, okay, this is going to be similar to Josh. You run the offense, Bill. I feel like he's the only candidate that he would let do that. And the reason that I really like O'Brien is because he takes some of the elements he uses at Alabama that Mac was good at and and Mac taught the offense there and put those into the Patriots offense. And Belichick would probably look at, okay, that makes sense now that you explain it to me. Well, I said that earlier to Mud. I said he's got a leg up on Adam Gase in, in terms that he's he's not in Alabama. He talks to Nick all the time about uh, about Mac Jones. He knows the system well here. Uh, he's very confident in his abilities. Um, Gase has been knocked around a bit, so maybe he's a little bit gun shy. But he's still a pro. He still was in within the system. They still do trust him. They'll work a little closely with him. They'll look like say a little over his shoulder. A little bit more, and he is kind of a shy. He's he is shy. He's quieter. He's a very respectful guy. He's he's smart, and I think he can get the job done. I, I do. If the other O'Brien thing that concerns me, Paulie, hold on. The other thing that concerns me about Adam Gase. Did you see that story a couple of years ago? You know he sleeps like two hours a night. I mean, come on, that's just that's not, not good. It, that's not healthy. I mean, I don't care how much of a psycho are you are with football. I mean, you're not going to be thinking clearly when you only sleep for two hours a night. You know, I know all I know all about that, Brian, because I have a case of severe sleep apnea, and I'm still waiting for my CPAP machine. So I know what it's like not getting enough sleep at night. <laughs> let me tell you, my friend. All right, hey, Paulie, good stuff tonight, man. Appreciate it. All the best, Brian. God bless. All right. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. And, and just in terms of, like, Adam Gase, okay, he goes from Peyton Manning to Jay Cutler, to Ryan Tannehill. So you could say, okay, he didn't have the greatest quarterbacks in the world, but here's the thing that you could say as a criticism of Adam Gase. Well, Ryan Tannehill became a much better player when he went to Tennessee when they realized, oh, Tannehill's one of the best play-action passers in the NFL. He's never going to be an elite guy, but if we put him into a situation where we're implementing more play-action, he's going to be successful. Like, you just look at it. at His last year under Adam Gase in Miami, he... Ends up with a quarterback rating of 92.7. He threw for 179 yards a game. And he completed 64% of his passes. His first year with the Tennessee Titans, where he took over for Mariota, a 117.5 passer rating. He completed 70% of his passes. And he threw for 228 yards a game. Not that the number in terms of yards per game is way up there. 
but he was a much better player in Tennessee because they built the offense around his strengths. And that is something that Adam Gase failed to do in Miami. And that's why Bill O'Brien will build the offense around Mac Jones' strengths because he knows what Mac Jones' strengths are based on what he did at the collegiate level. He's coming out of the same system. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into. So if you want to weigh in on this, do the Patriots need to get Bill O'Brien as the next offensive coordinator to take over for Josh McDaniels? Oh, some big news for Josh McDaniels that I want to get to in just a second here. Plus, the Celtics are starting to turn it around. Does that mean Brad will actually be a buyer at the deadline? I'll tell you in a little bit here on EEI. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, so a lot of meat on the bone tonight. The Celtics have won four in a row. What do you want to see Brad Stevens do at the trading deadline? Do the Patriots need to get Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator? And how bad would Adam Gase be? Or maybe you think Adam Gase would be good. And then the other thing I wanted to get into real quickly is just briefly on Josh McDaniels. The number is 617-779-7937. So this is interesting. So Patrick Graham, who was up for a lot of head coaching jobs across the league, he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants last year. So he was up for the Minnesota gig, a couple of others as well. Josh McDaniels was able to get him now as the defensive coordinator in Las Vegas, which is obviously big for him because McDaniel's going to be running the offense, and he's going to make sure he's got somebody that can take care of the defense, and it feels like Patrick Graham is that guy. But what's interesting to me about this is it means that nobody's coming from the Patriots staff as it pertains to be his defensive coordinator, right? Because you thought for a second there, well, maybe it could be Steve Belichick, but more likely it could be Gerard Mayo. Because Gerard Mayo, yeah, he got some interviews this offseason as it pertains to becoming a head coach eventually of the NFL. But I felt like, and maybe you disagree with this, I felt like if Gerard Mayo is going to get a job, he needs to be the guy that is perceived to be the leader of the defense. Now, I know that a lot of guys have spoken highly of Gerard Mayo, but there's kind of some confusion there, right? And we talked about that at the end of the season. Well, you got Bill, you got Steve, and you got Gerard Mayo, and apparently Matt Patricia was involved in the defense at some points as well. So it felt like You got to kind of streamline that a little bit where there was one voice. And it felt like if a guy was going to go, it wasn't going to be Steve because, of course, Steve is Bill's son. And he wasn't getting the head coaching interviews like a guy like Gerard Mayo was. So I felt like Gerard Mayo would make sense that he would go to Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels. But the other thing that you kind of look at with that is if you go back to when Bill and Nick Saban did this documentary together for HBO. It was called The Art of Coaching. Great documentary if you haven't seen it. But one of the things that irritates both those guys is taking coaches off. When coaches get head coaching jobs, taking coaches off the staff. They hate when guys poach their coaches. Saban references Georgia, Kirby Smart's head coach there, and Tennessee at the time. Pruitt was the head coach there, who, of course, is a former Saban assistant. So... When you look at it, maybe that was part of the equation with Josh not going after a guy like Gerard Mayo. But the other thing I'd say, too, real quickly here is the Patrick Graham hire is interesting from this perspective. Brian Dayball, who, of course, and Patrick Graham interviewed for the Giants job. Brian Dayball got that head coaching job with the New York Giants, and he said it's going to be a good thing for us that Patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator. He said Patrick Graham is going to be our defensive coordinator, and it just so happens that Patrick Graham's like, no, if I'm not getting the head coach job here, head coaching job here, 
I think I'm going to go elsewhere. So he gets the opportunity with Josh McDaniels there in Las Vegas. So it is kind of funny that Brian Dayball comes out and he says, yeah, Patrick Graham's going to be our defensive coordinator. Actually, no, he's not. He's not going to be our defensive coordinator. He's going to hang out with Josh McDaniels. I did want to briefly touch on the Brian uh, Flores lawsuit. Not that there was any new information, but the comments that Flores made today on NPR with Jay Williams, which, by the way, I never knew that Jay Williams had a podcast on NPR. I knew, of course, he was the new morning host on ESPN Radio with Max Kellerman and Keyshawn Johnson. I did not know he has a podcast for NPR. But nonetheless, he was talking about Bill Belichick, and he was talking about corrupt hirings. This is what he had to say, quote, I think there are back-channel conversations and back-channel meetings that are had that oftentimes influence decisions. I think the Giants hiring process is a clear example of that. Bill Belichick is a clear example of that. His resume speaks to that. So he also went on to say it was clear to me that the decision was made with Belichick's influence. That's part of the problem. That needs to change. There needs to be a fair and equal opportunity to interview and showcase your abilities to lead and earn one of those positions. So here's the issue I have with what Brian Flores is saying right now. The problem isn't Bill Belichick. The problem is how the Giants handled this situation, right? Because I don't understand what is wrong about the Giants calling up Bill Belichick and asking him, hey, what do you think of Brian Dable as their head coach? Now, you could argue that the Giants shouldn't even be doing that because the last guy that Belichick recommended to them was Joe Judge. And Joe Judge was horrible. Remember, on third and nine, Joe Judge was QB sneaking. Okay, not a good idea. And we know that Joe Judge's resume was horrible there with the Giants. They absolutely sucked. They were atrocious. So when you look at all that, if you were the Giants, you think you'd say, you know who we're going back to to get advice from again? Bill Belichick. And I know Bill's play calling thing, his play sheet, whatever you want to call it there, from his game plan, if you will, from when he was the Giants defensive coordinator and they destroyed the K gun. It's in the Hall of Fame. I get all that. But I don't know if you're the Mara family, why you're calling Bill Belichick to recommend you your next head coach when he just recommended you your last coach, who was one of the worst coaches in the NFL last season, right? So I don't know why you'd go back to that well. But nonetheless, the Giants decided, hey, we're going back to that well. We're going to ask Bill Belichick who he thinks would be a good fit for his organization or their organization. And they said, or Bill said, yeah, I think Brian Debo would be a good fit. And by the way, I actually think this is a good recommendation by Bill if they asked him, hey, what do you think of Brian Dayball? Well, Bill just experienced it firsthand, what, like two out of his last five games this season where Brian Dayball's offense completely destroyed Bill Belichick's defense. It probably behooves Bill to get that guy out of the AFC. Maybe that's part of the equation as well. Like, yeah, let's keep him away from Josh Allen. Maybe we can uh, make Josh Allen a little worse. But the point being is I don't feel like Belichick did anything wrong here. It's not as if that Belichick is saying, hey, you need to hire this guy. It's ultimately the Giants' choice to either go with Brian Dayball, go with Brian Flores, go with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator now of the Las Vegas Raiders. So I can't really say that this is a Bill Belichick issue and that Bill Belichick has this immense power around the league in terms of getting guys hired. And if anything, that's on the owners. That's these owners still going down the Patriots' pipeline, if you will, right? I mean, you think about it. Who has worked? I would say to some extent, Bill O'Brien worked. He won four out of he won four division titles out of his seven years there with the Houston Texans. I would say Bill O'Brien worked, and of course, it ended miserably. Eric Mangini didn't work in either location, although he did draft a lot of guys that 
Rex Ryan would benefit from, most importantly, Darrell Revis. But you think about it, he didn't work in New York. He didn't work with the Cleveland Browns. Josh McDaniels didn't work in Denver. Joe Judge didn't work with the New York Giants. Romeo Cornell didn't work with the Cleveland Browns. Matt Patricia did not work with the Detroit Lions, right? There's a list of these guys in terms of coaches that didn't work with Bill, yet these owners across the league are still interested in hiring former Bill Belichick assistants because they think, okay, maybe they can get some of that magic from the Patriots, and it just feels like for whatever reason, it never works. And there's probably unique reasons for each guy trying to bring the Belichick system over to wherever they go. But the point being that it's on owners across the league, not Bill. So I feel like this is kind of like Brian Flores saying this to Jay Williams on NPR, like Bill Belichick has way too much influence over the league. It kind of feels like a shot at Bill. When all Bill did was he probably gave a glowing recommendation of Brian Dayball to his former employer. Brian Dayball gets the gig, and unfortunately for Bill, he texts the wrong Brian. I I mean, that's an honest mistake that anybody could make. And this is really, in this whole lawsuit that Brian Flores has, this is really the, it's not even a smoking gun, but it's the closest thing he has to a smoking gun. Now, the Giants came back this morning, and they essentially said in their statement that, well, that's impossible because Brian Dayball's interview was after the day that Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores. So we hadn't made up our decision yet. So this whole situation with Brian Flores and his lawsuit, I feel like all of this is going to be incredibly difficult to prove. The Broncos came out with a defiant statement, and John Elway was pissed off with what Brian Flores said about him. You think about what the Giants said, hard denial. The only one that really, to me, like the biggest thing to come out of this was the tanking situation. And what the league needs to fix is the head coaching hiring process as it pertains to the Rooney Rule. But with the Rooney Rule situation in this lawsuit, I just don't feel like he has, and now it's a civil action suit, so maybe he gets more guys to come forward, but... I mean, Hugh Jackson did not do him any favors. I would advocate that Hugh Jackson not be part of the lawsuit because he's just going to embarrass himself like he embarrassed himself on SportsCenter. Like, what they were explaining to you was a rebuild, and you're acting like this is some shocker around the NFL. Teams do it all the time, left and right. I mean, we see it happen all across sports, not just in the NFL. But the big thing to me is if he can actually prove that Stephen Ross was offering him $100,000 to lose and that – he had a meeting with a prominent quarterback that we later found out was Tom Brady, that he had that planned illegally and it was tampering. I feel like that's the biggest thing that's going to come up. This is the only stuff that it feels like there is actual real meat on the bone. Not to say that the other stuff isn't true. I'm not saying that Brian Flores is a liar. It's just it's very difficult to prove that stuff that he's saying. All right, 617-779-7937 is a number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in on the Patriots offensive coordinator search, if you will, is it Bill O'Brien or bust for you? Also on the table, what do you want to see Brad Stevens do at the trading deadline? 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight here on WEI. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.